Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. My friends, and thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. Now, if you're anything like me, every now and then you find yourself having a conversation with someone who helps you remember what's important in your life. They help you realize the difference you can make in the life of others and that you can achieve far more than what you ever thought was possible. And the chat with today's guest was one of those moments for me. Now, if you are setting out to achieve a big goal or have a challenge in front of you or are wanting to go beyond what you thought was possible, then this episode is for you. You see, I recently sat down with a sporting superstar and Australian survivor competitor, Matt Rogers. Now, few players have achieved as much as Matt has in both rugby league and rugby union, setting records for the highest points scored in a match in both league and union, as well as the most points scored in league for an entire career and for a season. He also made it to the final 12 on this year's Australian Survivor, and by doing so, he once again became an inspiration and role model for thousands of Aussies. After he and his wife Chloe Maxwell went public in 2009 about their son with autism, they founded the charity for ASD Kids as a way to change the lives of families with children battling with an autism spectrum disorder by assisting them to access the early intervention treatment that they believe is critical to giving these kids the best chance at leading a normal life and reaching their fullest potential. They also have an upcoming documentary called Maxing Out, which follows three celebrities on a journey to their first ever Iron Distance Triathlon. This documentary mirrors the struggle of everyday challenges dealing with a child with autism. Now, this chat was incredibly inspiring for me, and I know it will be for you too. So before we get started, make sure you do take a screenshot of this episode and post on Instagram and Facebook. Please tag Matt. He is at Matt underscore Rogers 6, which is at M-A-T underscore R-O-G-E-R-S 6. That's the number 6. Tag me in there as well at Dave Jorna, J-O-R-N-A, and at Do Love Better Podcast again. We'd love to be able to connect with you and thank you for listening on today's episode. So for now, I hope you do enjoy this chat with Matt Rogers. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining us on the Do Life Better podcast today. Well, I'm excited to be here. Um, well, in your own house. Well, yeah. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to be here on the podcast and in the comfort of my own house. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And good. thank you very much for your incredible generosity by um, I gave you a glass us. of water. I mean, it's... The glass of water, the space today, very generous, yeah. Matt. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Now, normally, so... For some of our interviews, I send something out there on social media asking our listeners to send in questions. Right. And normally I weave these in throughout the the chat or or put them in at the end. I thought we'd start with one today, Matt. Now, this one comes from one of our listeners. Um, You spent some time camping with him. Let's call it camping. Oh, right. Might have been a bit rougher than camping. His question, his name's Steve. You might know him. Oh, right. (laughs) His question was, who's your bestie? Who's my bestie? Well, um, you know, the old cliche, my wife, you know, my best friend. Sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> You're going to get the answer straight up. <laughs> but, um, 
Oh, look, you know, you know what? I, I've actually said to um, people since actually going on to Survivor and touching on Steve, what you don't understand about Survivor or what you probably do understand but you don't experience is the intimacy of a friendship that can develop so quickly when you take away everything. Mm. When you take away a phone, you take away TV, you take away the distractions of life and you're stuck with someone for over a month. Yeah. And all you can do is talk. Yeah. You get to know someone really well. Well, so much so that you'd trust him to burn your face with yeah, the yeah. Well, shaving. Yeah. I don't think I'd do that again. <laughs> um, what made you think of that? What made you think, I need to have a shave, so I'm going to ask Steve to use fire? Well, I tried it and I burnt myself and I went, oh, maybe, well, he'll be able to see what he's doing. But, um, yeah, that <laughs> didn't work out. But he's one of them. He's one of my besties. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of really good mates I spent a bit of time on a football field with that, yeah. You certainly, you know, you spill blood for those guys, and yeah. and they do for you, and um, it's uh, it's a it's a friendship that's bonded over over many years of, of hard work and sacrifice. So um, similar, I'm you know I, you know I'm sure Steve's got many mates like that in in the army that you know he spent mm. time with. Mm. Absolutely, nice answer. No Thanks. worries, <laughs> diplomatic. So, so <laughs> Why first? <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of uh, Survivor, what would be one of the biggest things you learned? Uh, that I can survive with a lot less than I feel like I need to outside of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like, it, you know, the world just just puts so much in front of you, you know, and then when going to survive, everything's just stripped back, like I mentioned, and you, you get the opportunity to just live a really basic, simple life. Mm. You don't have to make decisions that, uh, un, you know, you know the, the pressure that people have every day when they get up, it's like, what am I going to wear? You know, like, what am I going to have a coffee? I'm not going to have a coffee. Have I got time to do this? I get... Like, all the things that just, you know, people are stressed in their car going to work mm. based on decisions that they've had to make in their home. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, you, in Survivor, you wake up, you got one set of clothes to put on, you got one thing to eat, um, you got a mate to talk to. I did. Um, I, I felt it was liberating. You know, it was, it just was great, you know, and as much as I'd like to say I've come out of there and I'm doing the same thing here, I'm not, you know, but it just, it's made me realise that, you know, most of the stuff that you might, you might worry or you're concerned about just doesn't matter, you know, Mm. it just really doesn't. I mean, you know, outside of, outside of Survivor and in the world, like, you know, most people are worried about what other people think. No, most people don't even, most people don't haven't got time to think about them. They're so worried about thinking about themselves. Like, you just... People are so, you know, internally focused nowadays and, you know, probably rightfully so at times because, you know, stuff's got to get done and all that sort of stuff that, you know, I think if you just maybe get over the fact that people aren't thinking about you and just, you know, do the things that are important, you know, to your family, your friends and, um, you know, get the things done that need to get done, then you'll probably have a better life. Nice one. So in a way it really helped to solidify your priorities, is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've always been fairly... I feel like I've been sort of focused on the right things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've never, yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect. You know, I mean, let's throw that one out straight away. Um, but I feel like, you know, my family's always been my, my main priority and, you know, before anything really. I mean, and, and sacrificed a lot, you know, be it sort of money. And, you know, I, you know, I walked away from a rugby union contract years ago that was six times larger than the rugby league contract I walked wow. into 
because I just didn't want to be away from my family anymore. Mm. You know, like when I came back to league, like I sacrificed over half a million dollars just to come back to mm. just to come back to being with my family. Like it wasn't, and I, you know, I mean, I'm sure there there are lots of people that would want to travel around the world playing rugby and all that sort of stuff, but I just my priority wasn't being that guy. It was been, it was the family. It was important, and it got to the point where I was just I was just going to quit. I just didn't want to. And whether that's like a selfish thing or, or what, I don't know. I mean, I just I feel like I've, my, my focus has been in the right areas. Mm-hmm. Um, what Survivor did was probably make me un- realise how much my family means to me because you're away from them for so long and you can't communicate with them, but how much mm-hmm. they actually do as well that you mm-hmm. just take for granted, you know, like just the, you know, little pat on the back saying, you know, good job or, you know, or I love you, Dad, or, you know, just hearing those things that you don't, Year when you're in that show, it sort of makes you come back and really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've had a good time since I've been home. Nice one. Mm. And on the show, you showed so much tenacity, resilience, persistence, particularly mm. in that one where I don't know, I would have freaked out early on, but the one where you were under that cage thing in the oh, water yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. kind of made like a, a, a tunnel, snorkel. a snorkel yeah. with your hand, and just in all the in all the challenges. You knew that you were going to be there to the end or very near the end, yeah. And you, we saw you know that same tenacity and persistence is evident in your football career as well. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Did someone teach that to you? Was it? Uh, you know, where, where'd it come from? Well, I just wanted to be a footballer, you know, as a young kid, you know, and I was always really small. So a lot of people told me I wouldn't make it because I was too small, and um, you know, my dad was a superstar, like. He was the Australian captain and one of the greatest to ever play the game. Mm. And I and I looked through the through the history books as a kid and I couldn't find too many father sons that made it after their dad. And I just got really determined. I remember thinking, no one's done it. Like there's been a few, but no one really, you know, no one's really like done it well after their dad. And I, and I was just so determined and I was really small. And I, I remember going to Cronulla. I was seventy kilos, and Andrew Weddinghausen. I was playing, I was, I was, my first ever training session was out at the Wanda Sand Hills and we had to run up these hills. I got there three weeks late because I had to finish school. Um, I got to pre-season training and they'd started at five runs up each of these hills. By the time I got there, they were doing eight and I, I was behind the eight ball. I hadn't done the three weeks of fit. Like it was just basically three weeks of fitness they'd done prior. They were all fit and I thought, I'm going to win every one of these. In my head, I'm going to win every one. It was with all the first graders, reserve graders, under-21s players. It was a big squad, probably about 60 or 70 people. Um, and I won every one up until the seventh. Well, no, I, I did win every one. But the, the, on the seventh one of the second lot of hills, it's, this thing was steep. Like the sand hills out there were they're crazy. I got to the top and I spewed my heart up. I just and then, but I, but I got to the top so quick that I could spew and I could get back down to the bottom with everyone and I'll win, win the last one. <laughs> and we we're coming out of the sand hills. Yeah. And all I just thought to myself, I don't want anybody, anybody here in this squad. You know, those guys like E.T., Dan Staines, those Davis, all these guys have played against or with my dad. And um, I thought, I don't want anybody here because there'd been a lot of press about me going to Cronulla. I don't want anybody thinking that I'm only here because of my name. Mm. So I'm going to work harder than anybody. And um, on my way out, the Sandhills, I remember I was walking next to ET and I was 17. And there's a SG ball or Jersey flag, I think it's under 18s, and um, President's Cup, which was under 21s at the time. And ET said, Oh, so how, how old are you, man? And I'm like, Oh, I'm 17. He goes, Oh, yeah, they've probably got you here to play Jersey flag. 
But I'm thinking to myself, no, mate, I'm playing first grade with you. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm playing first grade, you know. Like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't play first grade that year. Like, I ended up playing under-21s and reserve grade. Mm. We, we, we had – we won the premiership in both those grades mm. that year at Cronulla. They were the first premierships Cronulla had ever won. And then the following year I started playing first grade. But our ET would say to me when I started playing first grade, I was 73 kilos at this stage. And he'd go, mate, you've got to get to 80. You've got to get to 80 kilos. Uh, otherwise they're just going to ragdoll you, you know. So I thought I've just got to get really strong in the gym. So I just worked out like a, a madman. I'd lift weights four and five times a week. And I got really strong, but I couldn't put weight on. So I'd, what I'd do is I'd, on the way to training, I'd like get a litre of water, I'd scull it, <laughs> I'd go and get to the pie shop, eat two pies, and get on the scales. I'll never forget the day I made 80 kilos. I was like, yes, I did it. It was like about, I don't know, two or three years in. But um, Well, thanks I mean, to you, water and pies. Yeah, you couldn't do it nowadays. I mean, you, that way you get hammered. But it's, um, the game's changed a lot. But it was, uh, it was just determination from that young age to make it and not be, not be – um, the guy that was there because of someone else. Like I wanted to be there on my merits because I worked hard and I deserved it, not because who my dad was, not because what he'd done, not because you know, I've got a leg up somewhere. It was because I was good enough and, you know, and the best. And um, I feel like I, I sort of over my career took about three or four years. But after that, my mum said to me, she goes, well, I think you've made it. And I'm like, why is that? She goes, well, I'm now Matt Rogers' mum. I'm not Steve Rogers' wife anymore. So, um, well, yeah, that's how you know you made it. Yeah, yeah. And that, was, that was sort of a, you know, as much as, you know, it was sort of, it's corny. It's sort of, I felt like a, I felt vindicated because mm. for the first three years of my career, my name was Matt Rogers, son of former test great Steve Rogers. That's everywhere it was written. It was Matt Rogers, son of former test great Steve Rogers. That was my name in the paper. And I just got... I loved my dad and all I ever wanted to be was like my dad, but I just didn't want to be in that shadow, mm-hmm. you know. So I needed to, um, yeah, there was a lot of grit and determination. I had an older brother too who used to, who used to battle it out from a very young age and um, toughen me up, that's for sure. That <laughs> certainly helped you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nice yeah. one. So just that drive to, to make your own name. Yeah, yeah, determined and didn't want anybody to uh, feel like they could get the better of me. Nice. And again, on so, you know, seeing that on the football field, absolutely. Then also on Survivor, it came through big time then. And, and just one more thing with Survivor, if we can, because mm. I need to ask. Um, okay, so the, obviously there was that moment when you didn't play the idol and everyone's yeah, saying, yeah. why didn't play you? And I understand that there was so many other things going through your mind and it probably didn't occur to you, all of that. Did you realise, though, in the moment when you were voted off, did you realise that there'd be so many people all around Australia, including myself and Rhiannon, who's here with us, screaming at our TVs, just just <laughs> wishing you, like, willing you on, like being on your yeah. side? Did, did you oh, realise the impact I, you, know, you would have I, created? I, I, I would have. No, I didn't. I, you know, I just wanted to go in there and be me, you know. Like, I didn't want to try and be something that I wasn't, live about who I was or just not be, not be true to who, my character. And a few things that happened in that show, man, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I was real disappointed that it happened, mm. you know, like a couple of things that just really like, I'm like, man, why did you have to do that? You know, like, oh, I loved working with Lydia, but she just wanted to stay on that pole that day. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, we're a team. Get down. We've, we've got what we need to, what we wanted to vote for Nellaria. Just get off the pole. <laughs> and she just wouldn't. I'm like. And then, you know, other things, you know, like 
can't believe Sean didn't tell me that they were going to vote for me. Mm. You know, and then because I thought I, I thought we were a team. I thought we were like locked in, and we were a team. But it's it's, it's I, I was I was of the the opinion that we were a team team, mm-hmm. and I think they are of the opinion that we're a team. But I'm really against you, and it just in the end it sort of came back to bite me because I just trusted everybody too much, you know, and um, yeah, I mean. I, there's no hard feelings amongst anyone, you know. I love all those guys, um, and will and will forever, you know. Like, what a, what an amazing woman Shan is, you know. Shane, you know Lydia, you know. I made some friends like Sam and Steve that I'll have for life, mm. you know. But I just, yeah, I went in there with the with the full on like team mentality of team team, you know. Like, and then when the team didn't operate the way that I thought it should have, it sort of messed me up in my head, and. Um, yeah, it was uh, it's a tricky game, man. It's so tricky. I mean, for people to I, – I watched that show and I was watching it going, play your idol, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you with the rest of us screaming it's so at TV. easy, you know, you're sitting there watching it at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, like, and not, no, I mean, I'm not saying I'm you know, chair critics, whatever, like, but I'm sitting here watching it and what we're seeing at home is we're seeing all the stuff that's going on behind my back mm. that I didn't see. Mm. I feel like everybody's on board and we're doing this and we're going the right mm. direction. And, and there was whisper in the afternoon of it, there's going to be a few votes cast on, on Sean because she's got an idol. And I'm, I was trying to stop it. I'm like, why? She's one of us. Like, don't do that. You know? Like, so when that happened, I thought, oh, some of these are going to put some votes on Sean. And then I'm trying to do the maths in my head. And then it, it, it sort of, they sort of dragged it out a little bit on the show. Like it wasn't that slow. Like, <laughs> before I knew it, my name was getting read out. And the funny thing was, is in the final show, um, Jonathan didn't go to air, but Jonathan says, um, you know, why didn't, why didn't you work it out? I said, well, I didn't think, I said, I didn't, I didn't think you could talk at that time. I didn't think you could play the game at that mm, time. I didn't mm. think that was the time. And, I said, I was just trying to work it out. And Jonathan said in the show, he goes, mate, he goes, you're telling me. I was sitting there trying to work it out as well. I said, well, here's you, well-fed, well-rested, <laughs> yes. sitting there. You're trying to work it out. What hope have I got? You know, yeah. I'm like in the middle of it all, you know, and, yeah, I mean, do I regret not playing it? I don't. You know, I don't at all because, I, you know, I, it's just life, you know. Like, you, I don't regret it. Mm. I mean, they would have come for me anyway. You know, it's just, it's a game. And if I get another opportunity to play ever again, I would love that because I'd go, my, my team mentality would be a little different. It'd be a little less trusting of, of the entire group and a little bit more focused on, you know, a couple of people. So, mm. yeah. Well, I don't think most people blame you. Yeah. I don't think most people are saying, you idiot, why didn't you play it? Yeah. I think we actually get the fact that it would have been incredibly difficult to do all that processing, all, yeah, the, yeah. all, all that in the spare of the moment, um, you would have just been shell-shocked because like, you're trying to figure out what he saying this for and then yeah. Sean, why is she trying to protect me? What's going on here? So yeah. I don't think anyone blames you. No, no. But- well, well and, and, you know, credit to Benji. I mean, and, hey, mate, poor, poor old Benji. He got hammered after that, like, on did, the show. He? And, man, he's a good dude, honestly. Like, and they're all good guys. I mean, far out. Even Russell. I enjoyed Russell's. <laughs> company. I mean, he was playing a character. He's played the show before. He became famous because of this character he played and he portrayed that on the camera. But behind the scenes, man, he's a nice guy. He was a good fella. Mm. And um but the hate that people get on that show, I mean, even I got a heap of hate after voting for Shane and it was just hilarious. I'm like, man, people are so passionate, you know, like mm. 
but that's what makes the show great. You know, it's people's passion for it and their excitement about, you know, where it's going to twist and turn and stuff. And I, I guess until you're, you're in there, it's sort of hard to explain, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mind bender, I'll tell you. Well, it's funny because um, we started, my wife and I started watching it because I was doing homework on Steve. Right, okay. <laughs> for an interview with him. Yeah. And then we got hooked ever since. And, you know, the two main characters who we were drawn to was yourself Yep. And Steve, yeah, because of your values, because of that moral code, I suppose that you tried to that you not tried that you did live by on yep. the show. Um, so, in terms of a moral code or the values, what would be you know three, I suppose, of the main values that you were trying to have in mind in your interactions with everybody else in that team player sense? Well, I was always just I just wanted the team to do well, so I, I didn't want to. Anyone like I didn't want anyone to feel like less valuable to the to the team, particularly in those early days. You know, like I, I remember having a really like pr- I mean, it's a pretty private conversation with Shane. You know, in the first week or so, you know, she was just she's a lot older than all of us. When I say a lot, I mean twenty years older. It's a that's a generation. Mm. You know, and she was just struggling to find a place. And I could see she, she was just a bit off. You know, and I just sort of had a conversation with her in the shelter. Is she okay? And and and, I, and we formed like a really strong friendship throughout the show, you know, because, you know, it's not easy for someone of that age to go into that show. And I was just, I really wanted, I just didn't want people to feel like they'd let anyone down. Mm. Everyone's trying their best. Like the day Mon jumped off that platform and bloody face planted three times, like mm. that was the gutsiest thing I've seen someone do. And she didn't get the job done in terms of a result for the team, but what she did for, showed me was how committed yep. she was. And yep. I wanted her to know that, you know, that, you know, look, don't worry about it. It was bloody nachos or something that we that we didn't win, and and you and you you just showed us how committed you were to what we're trying to do. So everybody was in there at different um, different levels of of physical ability, and you know the biggest challenge was to sort of try and uh, make everybody feel comfortable. That was my goal, and mm-hmm. and not you know have anyone feel like they can't contribute because everybody contributed in their own way, you know, mm-hmm. and. And that's the, the ultimate goal of a team, right? You just want to make everyone feel like they're a part of the team and they're contributing and they're doing a great job. And I mean, it's, that's in my nature anyway. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't go in there to try to be anything I'm not. I just went in there to be me. And, and I've worked in teams my whole life and that's just bringing people together and, and trying to, to you know, I, I, sort of, I sort of heard this saying a long time ago, you know, absorb the pain, share the joy and deflect the credit. And that is something that, you know, I live by it. Like I don't, I, you know, if it hurts, I'll take it. You know, if, if, if because you know, if I, no one wants to hear you whinge, mm. like no one cares. People got their own issues. Well, the right people might. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. when I say whinge, there's a difference between yeah. going to someone with an issue, True. and being a whinger. Difference between whinging yeah, yeah, and yeah, opening yeah, up. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So certainly, speaking to mm. people is important, mm. but just being that whinger, yes, that just wants yes. to, you know, like just get on with it. You know, mm. share the joy. I mean, if we're going to sell, if we win something, let's get around each other and, mm. and deflect the credit. I mean, no one likes anybody going around beating their own chest saying, look at me. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and what that, that'll do, that'll bring a team together. And I just really tried to focus on, on that aspect, you know, in there. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was tough because you don't know those people. You don't know them initially. Yeah. It's 12, 11 strangers, you know. Um, but like I mentioned, you get to know people pretty quick when you've got no phones or distractions. 
Mm. Yeah, it was good. I could imagine. Mm. And again, it must have been nice to see so many people on your side after the show. And yeah, in, yeah. in terms of being being thrown into being a role model in a way, has your outlook on being a role model, who you're being, has that kind of changed from your days in footy to now or have you kind of had a similar outlook the whole way through? No, I've always considered myself a role model given the the position of sort of, I guess, in the in the in society, your whole being a professional athlete. You know, it's important. A lot of young kids play sport, and they look up to um, you know athletes. And you know, there are people that want to argue the point. We're not they're not role models. They're just athletes. Well, let's say depends how you look at it. I got four kids. You know, first and foremost, I'm a role model to them. Mm. But I respect the games and and the privilege that I had of playing those games at the highest level. That you know, I'm going to do the right thing. And you know. Do I do it all the time? Um, probably not. Um, am I prone to making mistakes? Absolutely, like anybody. But I certainly have always seen myself as a role model. And I had some people on, on uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. I had people on social media giving me a hard time about Survivor saying, it's not a make friends show, it's Survivor. It's for half a million dollars. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't care if it was for a million. I wouldn't care if it was for 10 million. I would not change who I am. Mm. I would not. I would, I would be integral and be the, who, the person who I am. It, I, I wouldn't give a stuff how much money it's for. Like you can't, as soon as you compromise that and you compromise who you are, um, then you undo the fabric of, of, of who you are and, and what you've built over the last 20 plus years, you know, as, or 30 years as a you know, professional athlete and someone who's worked hard to establish something that, that means a lot, you know, and it's not just in in sport you know we run a charity you know we we do other stuff that is critical to to being just a just a good human you know it's not, it's not and it's, it's not i don't find it hard mm. you know it's just un, and and I'm, and I'm surrounded by some great people who have mentored me over the years who have given me you know the tools to be able to you know grow into what i hope um, people see as a good person valuing the relationships authenticity mm. above all the other wealth because, you know, from what I'm hearing from you, the true wealth in terms of um, leading a, a rich life, a wealthy life, am I hearing you right in saying it's really about who you have with you? Absolutely. You, I, you know, I say, you know, we've got a nice home and, you know, it's we have a you know a good life, but, you know, put me at the back of Timbuktu and if I've got my family and, you know, it's easy to say, mm. but I believe it, mm. you know, and, you know, Money. I mean, it's it's good to have. Don't don't get me wrong. But a lot of people that complain about money or whatever. But you know, I'll tell you, money problems a good problem to have. You can solve that. Health problem, different issue. You know, mm. people. If you get your priorities right, like you can solve a money problem. There is a lot of stuff. We we live in a pretty good country that gives opportunity. That you know, there's stuff out there. And health problem, that's a different issue. You know, I've lost. I lost my mum to breast cancer. I lost my dad to mental health. Um, my priorities are, are a little different to probably the average person based on those two things. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's important to, to get those priorities right because money can screw you up. Mm. And thanks for being the example of those priorities for a lot of people out there at the moment. Um, you know, yeah, you were a role model in the footy days and I think also now what Survivor has shown and just from conversations I've had with people and what I've seen on social media as well, um, you are being an absolute role model now too. 
for a lot of people. I appreciate in, that. In terms of loyalty and tenacity and strength um, and openness as well and that vulnerability too. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And another one is in terms of pushing beyond what you thought was possible. Yes. And I love how that connects really closely to this charity of yours and this yep. big adventure thing you're doing called Maxing Out <laughs> yeah. and your charity called 4ASD Kids. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, you know, we, we had we had this concept a couple of years ago and it was born out of sort of, you know, what we went through as, um, as you know, parents of a young child that was diagnosed with autism. You know, we just... I remember those days, you know, I remember those days just just darkness, you know, just thinking what do we do? Like is, this, is life over now for Max, you know, and just totally lost, totally unsure of what the next day is going to bring. You know, I remember going and sitting in the Early Childhood Development Centre at Burley Heads and really fortunate the lady that ran that was um, the, the, the wife of the doctor of the team that I played for at the time, the Titans, Jay, her name was, and just a lovely human being, far out, and her staff, just amazing. But it was this really tired old building in the back of a school. Um, you know, it was this for, for children that were preschool age who had a diagnosis of X, Y, or Z. And we ended up there because we got that diagnosis, and it's where your first port of call is. I remember sitting in that room, in that building, just looking around, just you know, tears in my eyes thinking, is this what our life is now for Max? You know, just thinking, oh, man, the, the staff were amazing, but they had horrible facilities. Um, and just thinking, man, this this is not, this can't be it, you know, and I became real real sort of <laughs> frustrated. And and, um, and then, and then you know, Jay helped, started to help us, you know, like someone who knew what they were doing mm. just started to help us, you know, and, all of a sudden it was like we took a little step forward, another step forward, maybe another step back and then a couple of steps forward and we started to edge our way forward. And then we found a school to put Max into that was um, a, a privately run school that had, had early intervention and it cost a fortune. We jumped a two-year wait list to get into that school because we could afford it at the time. You know, it was anyway, I think it was around $40,000 a year or something to put yeah. him in there. Two-year wait list. A lot of families missed out. Mm. And if you've got a child with a, with a need and you can't afford to pay for it just because you don't have the money. We just thought, man, that's horrible. So we actually started our charity and, and 4ASD Kids was born and we went back and helped a lot of those families that were on that wait list before us to be mm-hmm. able to pay for that treatment. Um, we also went back to that school that, um, where, where Max started and we, we spent at the chat, we raised the money and we spent $250,000 on that little school and we redeveloped it and made it into like a really state-of-the-art facility and really nice meeting room for the parents and they're really proud of that. Am I right in hearing that you raised $2 million or up so far in the last nine years? Yeah, right? about that. Yeah, about $2 million. Yeah, just, just under, I think. Just a fraction under. But, um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of what we've been able to do. Um, but about, eight, about 18 months ago, nearly, nearly 18, or a bit over 18 months ago, I just thought we, I want to I I be able to tell the world about 4ASD kids and how am I going to do it? You know, I want to I wanna be able to do not, not not for my ego, I want to be able to raise more money so we can help more families because, I mean, we could spend that $2 million a year and still not have enough mm. for the people that email us going, can you help us? Yeah. You know? Um, so we, we, we came up with this concept. Let, let's, let's put ourselves back in that position when we were, like, got the diagnosis. How do we feel? And we, we were terrified and we didn't know how we were going to move forward. 
And um, my mate said to me, and this is like a good friend of mine, and he owned a big, he, he owned a big digital media company. He just sold it actually, but he's a tremendous guy. And he was trying to come up with concepts of how we could mirror that. And he said, how did, how did you feel? He said, you've done Ironman triathlon, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, how did you feel before your f- when, you, when you decided you were going to do one of those? I said, oh, mate, I was terrified. And he goes, perfect. He goes, how did you feel when you finished it? And I said, mate, unbelievable, best feeling ever. And he goes, how are you feeling with Max right now? I said, mate, best thing ever. And he goes, perfect. Let's get three people that have never done anything mm. like that mm. and let's throw them in the deep end. Well, we'll give them four months. We'll, we'll put but but we'll put people around them and we'll train them and we'll sort of mirror that journey with how you, you know, div, you know, moved along with mm. Max. You know, at the mm. end of the day, it's going to be amazing, but at the start, they're going to be terrified and we'll just sort of map it out. So we we came up with this program and our son's name's Max and and the show's called Maxing Out and uh, we follow three athletes. And when I say athletes, it's a very loose term because one of them is my wife, who mm-hmm. is far from an athlete. She, uh, you know, TV, media, modelling, you know, and not. I mean, played a little bit of tennis at school, but you know, and not not a. And she probably won't mind me saying this, you know, not not typically like not not an athlete's bone in her body, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Ash Bradnam, far from an athlete. He's a radio DJ from up mm-hmm. in Brisbane. It's the Ash Kipper Mutsi Show on Nova. And one who was an athlete, but certainly not built for this type of sport, um, was a guy named uh, Ben Hannett, mm-hmm. who played for Queensland and Australia and Broncos and North Queensland and so on. So we put them, we, we, I went and met with them. I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want you to do this event. It's an event called Challenge Roth in Germany. It's a full distance triathlon. When I say full distance, that's a 3.8K swim, mm-hmm. 180K bike ride, and then a full marathon, 44, wow. 42.2Ks. And they're all like, oh, really? Like, how long have we got to do it? Like a week or I'm like, no, no, you got to do it within fifteen hours. But like, this is it's it's a in in there's there's there's, there's a couple of brands. Challenge Roth, um, you have to finish it in fifteen hours. If you do an Ironman, you've got seventeen hours. Mm, but this one mm. is even shorter. Jeez. So anyway, my wife is horrible. Like, she's like, how am I? I can't do this. I need a female in the show. You're you're it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's like, oh, okay. So we, we went about sort of producing this show and I, I got to tell you, um, it's, it's now finished um, and it's, it's about to air uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the exact date yet, but it'll be before Christmas on, uh, on, on Channel 10. And it is phenomenal. Just to follow these three mm. and their journey to Germany, um, you know, they do all their training here on the Gold Coast. It's just an amazing show. I mean, I'm biased because I produced it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with my friend Rob, you know, Rob Bell, who, who's my partner on the project, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we sort of engaged with a company from Sydney, um, RJ Media, and they, they came up and they shot it for us and we put it all together. And, oh, man, I tell you, it, it, was, it was completely sponsor-funded. So we had to, like, we were knocking on door, man, I tell you, I, I thought playing footy was hard. Uh, TV production's hard. <laughs> that is hard. Um, but we, you know, 18 months ago, we come up with this idea and we were scratching our head thinking, how are we going to get this done um, to have a finished product now? We've got two one-hour episodes um, to the point where now, you know, it's been distributed and, and we're already already being asked of, you know, who's going to be in season two and, wow. you know, what, what, what athletes are we going to use and... What do you reckon? Get Steve Willis in there for season two, mate. I'll, I'll give you the exclusive. <laughs> he is our first athlete that's been signed up for next Serious? year. Yep. So, Fantastic. So he's going to be—he's terrified. He's like, "Mate, how am I going to do this?" I'm like, "You'll be right. <laughs> we'll, we'll help you." But you know, we don't want people to want to. Like, I mean, 
We want them to want to do it, but we don't want yes. them to be comfortable about it because it's yeah. not about comfort. Mm. And that's the idea of the show. It's about showing people, hey, you know what? When, when Max was diagnosed, we, we, did, we had no idea of that space, mm. none. And now I just wouldn't change a thing. Um, we want to show people that whether it's your field of play or not, that if you, if you, get, if you put the right people around you, then you can get through anything, you know what I mean? And because there are a lot of people struggling in, in the world and, and whether it's, you know, they've got a diagnosis of their, their child's autistic or, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've got a health issue or, you know, they're, they're going through some struggles in business or, you know, they're having some relationship issues within the home or, you know, anything. Like there are people that can help you with that. Mm. But what the really important thing is, is to, to get the help. You know what I mean? That's really important. And, and hopefully our show shows that because you've got three people who have never done this before in their life. We've got professional coaches to come in and help them. Mm. And, you know, I, I want to give away the story of the show, but you'll see what happens to the person who really listened to the professionals. Mm. And you'll see what happened to the people that didn't. <laughs> yeah. And that is, you know, the message we want to say. Like, there's help out there for anything. Put the right people around you and, and have that end goal in mind and, and, and be clear with it. You know, I mean, be clear of what you want your life to look like. Be clear with what you want your relationships to look like. Be clear with what you want your finances to look like. Get the right people around you to help you with that stuff and you can move in the right direction. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, and, and, and I'm doing it constantly, you know, I'm constantly, like just right now, you know, I'm in a meeting last week about some stuff with some, people that I, I want to get I want to get right you know like and, and I feel like I'm not getting it right at the moment and I needed to go and find someone who could help me with it mm. you know and it um it was it was just a it's just a real ref, it's a liberating feeling having someone be able to speak into your life in a certain area where you aren't you don't have the expertise but they'll help you sort of break off the shackles and move forward in that direction in that in that space and so many people particularly men I just are so like, um, oh, man, I'm good. I'll, I'll sort it out. I'll work it out. And, man, I'm horrible when I'm driving. I was like, get some directions. I'm like, no, I'm not asking. I'll work it out. <laughs> you know, like, we drive for four hours on a you know, two-hour drive. <laughs> Thank goodness for Google Maps. <laughs> why do you think a lot of men don't want to ask for that help? Even uh, if their help's knocking on their door, why do you think a lot of them don't want to open up to that? Because it's their job to be the provider. You know, it's, when I say it's their job, you know, in, in years gone by, you know, like 100 years ago, man's a provider and, you know, mm. their job to sort it out, you know. And, and I just think <clears throat> the world's changed so much, you know, economically, you know, relation, like, you know, social media. Like you, you just look at the, the world today is a different, it's a different kettle of fish to what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We have to be able to adapt with that change. You know, as, as people, and mm. if we don't, we're going to get left behind. Mm. You know, and 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 you're going to that, those little those little things become big things. You know, if you don't address them when they're little things, you know. So, yeah, I just think you know, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on men to, um, yeah, just because of that whole provider type scenario, and and now the world's sort of having this massive shift. You know, to you know. Now women are providers too, and like man, like but I, but that's my job, you know. Like I'm going to be the provider, and I, I sometimes 
you know, my wife's such a driven, you know, um, I want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want her to have to have to worry about anything. I want to, I want to be able to give her everything. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, because I don't know if that's just, well, it's inbuilt in the man, right? And, and I feel the same. <laughs> and sometimes it can be emasculating if, mm. if, you know, my, Chloe was talking about doing something. I said, you don't have to do that. I'll do that. She said, why? Because I'm the man. I'll do that. You know, and it, it's sort of like almost chauvinistic mm. by saying that, but you're just trying to be the man. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a, it, I think the world's created a lot of confusion in that space at the moment, you know, yeah. whether it's confu- it's caused it or, you know, what it is or how we deal with it, how we best deal with it. It's a tricky, it's a tricky place. Um, it's a tricky, it's a tricky world at the moment. So. Yeah, and just with what you're saying too about, you know, the man's the provider. Like for me, I keep slipping back into that thinking as well. Like I'd love for my wife to be able to not have to work but she really wants to work yeah. and she, she loves, she's passionate about her work and she wants to be able to do that. So I need to keep, I need to keep on rethinking my stance and reminding myself that these ideals about the man has to provide, it's actually false. Yeah. It's and, not reality. And I think it's, it's about, it's about, um, I want my, more than anything, I want my wife to feel loved and valued. And mm. if that, if her doing that, you know, makes her feel more valued. Then I wanted to do that, and I don't want to. I don't want to get in her way, um, and you know, be this you know, dictator in the house. Like, no, you do not work, and you know, it's like, come on, it's in 2018. So, and I think that whole, um, you know, love and respect in a relationship between a man and a woman. You know, like you, you ask 99, 99 out of a hundred women will, will just want to be loved. Mm. 99 out of a hundred men will just want to be respected. Mm. You know, so. That man being that provider, it's like you know they have the respect of the people around them, and you know it's like they're doing their thing, and you now it's I, I think sometimes it's just got to you just got to cool your jets a bit and just understand that you know, particularly me sometimes you know because I'm I'm always running around a million miles an hour and and my wife's like just stop this uh, it happened about about a year ago actually my son said to me he goes dad you do you're doing too much it's my twenty Two-year-old son, he goes, you're doing too much. You do too much. I'm like, no, but I'm just, I've just got to do it for all everyone, you know. And he's like, no, you don't. We can all, and you, you, it's just that, that intrinsic nature of that, oh, the man's the provider and all that sort of stuff. And it was a real sort of eye opener for me when when my son said that to me, you know, like, um, and my wife saying to me, I can do that. I'm like, no, no, you don't have to do that. I'll do that. She says, no, no, I want to do that, mm. you know, and just mm. understanding that, you know. You, you can be a good team. Yes. You know, you can be a good team. There doesn't need to be one person doing mm. it all. And, and that value, you know, like I said, loved and valued. Nice. You know. Yeah, and changing the language of what respect means. Mm. So we don't just gain respect by providing and by yeah. doing stuff. We can see respect in the time that we spend with our kids or the time they want to spend with us. Yeah. And so to be able to see um, a new language, I suppose, or new signs that you are receiving respect in your life from those loved ones yeah i mean respect is is something that's is certainly an earned thing it's not something that you just you can demand with a title mm. or you know just just because you're a dad doesn't mean you you deserve exactly. respect you know or just because you're a boss doesn't mean you deserve respect it's certainly something that's earned it's something that um you know i uh 
I, you know, well, you know, it's nice to be respected, but you know, you've certainly got to earn it. You can lose it real quick. So for sure, important to. Uh, <laughs> it's not something that you get once and you keep forever. Nope. Like uh, you know, taking a shower. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, changing the clothes once and surviving. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, you've you've come a lot more alive speaking about your family and maxing out and for ASD kids. You seem yeah. far more passionate in this discussion. Talking about that than Survivor and and your football career. Um, in terms of raising a child with ASD, yeah, what you must I don't know. Like when I've become a dad to my two boys, learning how to be a dad for each one, I've grown, I've changed. How have you changed, or have you? Um, just probably um, just a little bit more aware and a little bit more patient. Um, I, I think I'm still the same person like I'm still driven and I'm still focused and you know I want to get x y and z done you know if I'm sort of on a I'm very task orientated very goal orientated um and I think that helped with with Max because there were sort of little milestones we're trying to reach along the way with Max and um you know I, I, I to be honest I mean I, I gotta give the majority of the credit well, pretty much all the credit to my wife you know like what she what she did with Max and I think I was a good supporter of her and, and she she found everything, you know. She found where we needed to take Max and she set up the meetings and, you know, and it was even her idea. Like, I mean, I, mean, I got to tell you, when she told me, I want to start a charity, I'm like, you want to start a charity? <laughs> like just to chuck on top of everything else that we're doing now? And she's like, yep, we're going to do it. And, um, you know, raising Max, uh, you know, I just love my kids, you know. Like I just, I mean, old parents do, right? Um mm. But, you know, uh, you know, I will say this, you know, love isn't always enough. You know, there are plenty of people that love their kids that don't do the right thing, mm. you know. Mm. I mean, what, 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 loving, what, what having a child with ASD probably did was focus, was, was probably focus our behaviours, you know, um, more than just loving him was enough. Like we needed to do things differently for him to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, like we needed to do things that, you know, at times where, when, you know, I mean, everyone, everybody works hard, everybody's busy, everybody's doing stuff, but when you're going through the therapy that Max was going through from age sort of two to five, he was doing um, five days a week, four hours a day of one-on-one therapy. Um, and that's where the, the costs come, you know. It costs nearly $40,000 a year. That was for three years straight he did that. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. You know, like for anyone, could you imagine yourself sitting there for four hours a day doing one-on-one therapy with someone, mm. just learning stuff? Well, that was him. And he was engaged in it because his mind needed to be engaged and he, and, and he handled it. But it wasn't just that. Like we had to do more of that at home. So it was just that, that three years of just trying to just get to that next goal with Max. And, it, and, it, and sort of this sounds really this might come across really bad, but it was almost like training an animal. It was almost training a dog, you know, like to when this happens, this happens, you know, like and the ABA therapy that Max had has been sort of criticised because they say it's sort of like that. But, I mean, you can criticise it all you want. What it did for us was we got our son back and and he started to engage with his family again and he became a member of the family, mm. um, which was there, – there was a, a six-month period I'll tell you, where he would wander around this house and it was like it was a little zombie walking around the house. Mm. You know, you know, like it's, just, it's a silly analogy, but you imagine like 
like you watch a zombie movie and the way they walk and they don't look, they don't, they're not looking at you, they just sort of look through you and that was him. Wow. It was dead set exactly like that. And you try to get his attention and, you, and he wouldn't listen, you'd have to get down on your hands and knees, grab him by the shoulders and, and like almost by the face and make his head look. Like, mm. It was still like no lights on in there. It was the most terrifying time. So what it did for us more than anything, I guess, was, was change the way that we operated in the home. And, you know, full credit to my other kids because they didn't um, complain. Mm. You know, they, they, they got on board with it. And um, my, my, my youngest daughter, probably um, she's a year younger than Max, 16 months younger than Max. We were terrified that, you know, she was going to go down that path as well. And, um, but she, she became his rock, you know, like wow. by the time she was talking, he started to talk a little bit and then she would talk for him and we'd have to stop her from talking for him. She mm. still talks for him to this day. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's been an absolute trooper and, and grew up probably too quick, probably grew up faster than she had to because of Max. Um, so, yeah, we're, um, yeah we, 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 we've changed our behaviours big time having Max and, um, yeah, it was hard, but I wouldn't change a thing now. You know, I look, I look at our life now and I look at what it did for us and brought us together. It divides a lot of families, but uh, brought us together. Mm. Well, thank you. Very powerful there. Right. Thank you. Now, I have what I call the rocking chair test. The rocking chair test. Yes. What does that mean? It's going to put me to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> this is all about when I'm old and grey and wrinkly, sitting in my rocking chair, which I don't have, on my porch, which I don't have, sitting next to my wife, which I do have, looking back over my days. What's the one thing that's going to make me the proudest? So maybe it's something I've already achieved or maybe it's something that I am working towards achieving. And yeah. this test helps me make sure that in any big life decision, helps me make sure that I'm keeping on the right track. So what would be your rocking chair test? Or what would be the one thing that you are the proudest of so far or one thing that you're hoping to achieve? Well, without doubt, the, the thing that I'm most proud of is, is the work that we've done with our charity. Um, and just to be able to make a difference in people's lives, knowing that the effect that that had on my life, um, having an autistic child and the difference that it made, having the help that we got, being able to give that to others. Um, my, my wife says to use our profile for good and not evil. <laughs> you know, nice one. Sort of, um, yeah, so that's probably the most proud. But I, I really, I mean, I really feel like, you know, without... I don't want this to come across arrogantly. I really feel mm. like, you know, my wife and I's best years are, are ahead of us. I mean, we've just scratched the surface and and I feel really good about, you know, the next, you know, 20 years because I feel like we're just sort of starting to get a, a grasp of um, what we can do, you know. I mean, just the, the TV show that we just produced, I mean, I love it. I, I'm so excited by it and I, I can't wait to get into see what well, we just started casting for season two. Mm. Um and yeah, a lot of good stuff's come out of doing, you know, the show like Survivor, and and, and I had a great career as a, as a footballer, and I, don't, and I don't want to sort of talk that down, or I don't, it's not like that wasn't great, but I don't want that to be my best, the best part of my life. I've got too much life to live. You don't want that to define you. No, I, and and to be honest, when I'm sitting in meetings, particularly for the TV stuff, I, I if 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 people don't know that I'm a footballer, I I, I try to I, I say to Rob, don't don't tell them. Because it just it, it, they, it pigeonholes you, mm. and it doesn't it doesn't mean all all footballers are meatheads. But I don't I don't want to be that. I mean, it sounds bad. I don't want to be that guy in that meeting. There are times when it's beneficial, 
mm-hmm. and it helps me, um, you know, do stuff at a charity function or whatever, or you're surrounded by football people that want to hear a story about this, that or the other. But when you're trying to get stuff done in a corporate sense, mm. sometimes it's not all that helpful. And if people don't know, I don't feel the need to tell them. So, um, so in a way, with your footy career, you were trying to make your own name. Yep. So instead of being your dad's son, trying to make your own name. Yep. And now, in a way, are you trying to almost in the corporate world make your own name again? <laughs> Not Matt, the football player who's on Survivor, who's now in this corporate setting, but Matt, the corporate guy. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I want to again be you know get jobs done based on the merit of the work that I do mm. or I produce, yes. not based on who I was. Yep. And, um, and, and I think if, if, I mean, it makes me feel fresh in a way. You know, I, I just don't want to sit back and, and relax on the work that's been done. I mm-hmm. want to continually refresh and move forward. And um, So, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I feel like the charity stuff, I mean, playing for my country, you know, I'm going to sit back one day. Well, I have, I've sort of sat back and gone, yeah, that was cool. I'll sit on my rocking chair one day and think, man, that was, that were good times. I made some amazing friends and to pull on the green and gold for two different codes mm. um, was amazing. Um, but to really impact people's lives on a, on a, on a, on a level of um, health and, and helping people overcome significant challenges that are based when you uh, have a diagnosis of, of a, a child on the spectrum. Um, that's probably what I'm most proud of at the moment. Nice. And again, I can see that in you, just your your manner now and also the way you spoke previously during this chat mm. um, about the work you're doing. You, you seem to light up a lot more. Yeah, it's good fun. Mm. You know, I've, I've never felt more alive when I'm, than when I'm working to help other people. I mean, it, it's a cliche, but just – just take your eyes off yourself for a while, yep. you know, and get it on other people and you, you'll start to realise how good your life is and how much other people are struggling at times and how much good you can do and it's, uh, it's a fun ride. Speaking of all that, in terms of the Do Life Better podcast, one thing I love is asking all of our guests what, that, what Do Life Better means for them given their current situations and their backgrounds mm. and experiences. So for you, what does Do Life Better mean? Well, doing life better. You know, you know what? You know when your home is happy, like you're happy. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know if you. If, I mean, mm-hmm. if if there's something going wrong at home, then then everything outside of home is just hard, you know. And and I and I feel like for me, you know, I sat with a friend of mine about you know ten years ago, and he said to me, and I was try, I was trying so hard to make it, you know, and you. you and, and sometimes at, at, the, at the expense of family, you know, and it's real easy to do because you get caught up in, mm. in I've got to go and achieve this, I've got to do this, and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And he said to me, I'll give you one bit of advice because we're all going out and we're trying so hard to be our best. But he said to me, he goes, save your best for your best. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, don't bring all your crap from outside inside. Nice one. When you get to your front door, stop for 15 seconds. We're going in to see your best. That's mm. where you need to be your best. Mm. And he goes, and if you get it right there, he goes, everything outside will be tenfold better. Wow. And I thought, man, that's so true because I know when my wife's like, yeah, man, get out there and smash it. You're going to hammer this meeting and you're going to get what you – like you, you walk out like feeling like you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. But if, 
if you walk out of this house and there's, you know, you're nagging each other about this and that and you're not doing your bit and they're not doing their bit and you just, it's just, it's life's yuck. Mm. Like, you know, do life better, get your house in order. Nice one. That's probably the most important thing, you know, treat your, you know, save your best for your best. That's, that's my absolute um, goal. Do I do it right all the time? No, I'm human, you know, but if you've got it in your mind and you're focused on it, you can do it a lot more than when you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great piece of advice. That's awesome. Save your best for your best. I'm going to use that. I'm going to be focusing on that this week for sure. Awesome. Love it. Um, and before our final question, if our listeners would like to get in contact with you, uh, or your charities, what yep. would be the best way for them to do that? Well, we've got um, Facebook and Instagram, so you can get get, get us there. Um, we're working over the next sort of uh, couple of months on some new programs for next year, some activations, so people can get involved and, and mm-hmm. um, be a part of the charity. Um, they can also log on to 4ASDKids.com and if they've got an event or anything coming up, they can set up their own little event page and, and raise funds for 4ASD Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start to um, document a fair bit of what we do next year with the money that we raise and um, we've got some really cool videos in the works to some of the families we've helped so that people can actually see the impact that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty raw, you know, and, and I love that. Like I actually, you know, when we when we sponsor a family, I can't even speak to them because I just break down in tears because I know what it means to them and they start crying. I, I, I tried it once. I'm like, I said to our accountant, I said, Look, I'm, I can't do it anymore. And my accountant, like most accountants, he's pretty black and white. He's like, okay, I'll ring him. I'll tell him how much money are they going to I said, just be nice about it. <laughs> I said, but, you know, like if I ring him, I suck. Eventually I, I meet a lot of the family. I meet some of the families and um, – you know, we've got some, you know, I got this letter about a year ago about this young little autistic fella, one of the first people we sponsored actually, um, and he couldn't go into crowds and, and um, you know, she sent me a picture of him at a Titans game in a Titans jersey and he was waving his flag and mm. it was just the sweetest thing and just a message saying, you know, you changed your life and we can't thank you enough. And it's, I get emotional talking, just talking about it, you know, because I just know where they were you know, to where they are and mm. um, it's, a, it's a really cool feeling. And that, that, that's just a, like a drug for me, you know, like, like it just drives me to want to do more and, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly stretch to, to be able to do that. Nice one. And then in terms of the challenge for the week for our listeners, what would be one thing you'd like them to focus on this week to help them do their life even better? Well, I, 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 I try to do this. Um, most weeks and, I, and, I, and, and it's, it's hard to get through a day and it's just not to complain about anything, mm-hmm. not one thing. Mm-hmm. Like keep it inside. Like if it's something like, oh, the hot water's not working or, you know, just deal with it. Don't complain about it. No one else needs to hear about it. Just deal with it. Get through it. You know, the little things that you're going to complain about, try not to say anything negative. Mm-hmm. Try not to say anything negative. See how many days you can last. <laughs> It's hard, man. Wow. It's hard. Nothing negative. Everything's got to be positive. Yeah. And you know the thing is, is when you when you when you um, when you say something negative, there's, there's actually a flip side to it. You can actually you can you can still talk about it, but in a positive sense. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I, I remember one of my coaches saying, "Why why are we talking about dropping the balls? Let's just talk about catching the balls." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Everyone's like, "No, drop balls." Like, no, no. Let's say let's catch everything. Let's catch everything, boys. Mm. You know, like mm. when you think about it, there's always a positive side to the negative. Yep. So try and focus on that positive side 
and uh, and focus on others for the week, and, and I think you'll have a good week. Nice one. Focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I'll work on that one myself as well, Matt. Thank Good you. Stuff. And again, we'll have all your contact details and everything in the show notes as well. Unreal. Good as um, well. Matt, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure meeting with you today. Again, yeah. you're very generous. Um, welcoming us into your house for this chat today. Thank you. And thank you for the role model you are. You know, just seeing on social media and everything and just the chats I had with who you have been on Survivor, even before you were voted out. Um, and, and to see a lot of people on your side and just to see you know, the role model that you've been the influence you've created, um, your loyalty, your trust, your vulnerability, authenticity, uh, and then to see you light up now talking about your hopes for the future and the work that you're doing with your wife yep. or the charities. The difference you're making is huge. Uh, oh, I appreciate so, it. Well, we, we plan on uh, doing a lot. So, mm. yeah, we, we've, we've got a lot of good people in our corner. Great. And thanks for having us and letting us share our story. That's a pleasure. Matt, thank you very much. Awesome. So there you go, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Matt. And please do remember his challenge for the week, which is go all week without saying anything negative and instead use positive language and focus on the things you do want, not the things you don't want. So after using only positive language this week, we'd love to hear how that goes for you, for you and your relationships with other people and also your outlook on your entire week as well. So again, please make sure you do take a screenshot of this episode, share it out there on social media, tag Matt. He is at M-A-T underscore O-R-G-E-R-S-6. That's the number six. Tag me in there as well at Dave Jorner and at Do Love Better Podcast. We would love to connect with you. Please make sure you have subscribed. Uh, that way, you receive notifications every single time a new episode is released. And make sure you subscribe, share it out there with your families and friends. And I can't wait to join you again next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. And have you subscribed yet? By subscribing to this podcast, that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released. In your podcast app, you can find all the show notes for every episode. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au. That's hello at projecthatch.com.au. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone you think will benefit from these messages. And now it's time to get out there and do life better.